Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Um, this morning I've, I've kind of um, divided my time into two, really. There's some uh, leadership stuff that I need to talk to you about. And then I'm going to be launching us into a new uh, series um, around the life of David. And so uh, actually, it's only this morning I've realised that they kind of dovetail quite well together. So I'm really hoping that uh, it will be one kind of uh, sort of seamless uh, message rather than uh, lots of different uh, messages. So um, why don't we pray and really ask that God would continue to be with us. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your, for your presence. Lord, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you for that sense of your presence in our worship. Uh, Father, I pray for every person here not to miss the presence of God, uh, not, to, not to miss the fact that you're here, not to miss the fact that you're changing lives, that you're catching us up in a thing that's much bigger than ourselves. Uh, Father, I pray that we will be a people of the presence of God. I pray we'll be a people totally committed and connected into the purposes of God. And uh, the Lord, as I speak this morning, as I speak about leadership and changes there, as I speak about David, I ask, O oh God, that you would, um, you would anoint every word I say. You would prepare every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're doing some drilling. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> we're starting the drilling now. Bill, is there any way? Do you know doing the drilling? Closing windows. Sorry? Closing oh, we're closing windows. Oh, my goodness. Right, I thought we were drilling. Okay, okay. Cool, cool. Um, okay, so just to talk a little bit about uh, leadership and leadership here at Beacon. So... Beacon, as a, as a church, is led by, whether you realise it or not, um, it's not simply led by uh, Owen Hilton, or it's not, it's not like that. Yeah? Um, hopefully, hopefully, God has an involvement in the leading of, of the church. So uh, when, I, when I say that, I might not talk as much, I will actually, when I talk about David, talk about how God decides and chooses leaders. Uh, but for this moment, I'm just talking about practically how we are led. We have three core teams that lead the church, that are involved in the leadership of the church. Uh, the first is, and it really was the first team that we ever had, it's, it, and it doesn't sound the most exciting team, but it's a really important team, it is our trustees. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, some of us are like, what, what are you talking about now? So Beacon has a group of trustees um, that really came together at the very beginning to set the church up, set us up as a local charity, set us up actually as a company that manage all our finance, that put together our constitution and our governance and all those kinds of things, all our safeguarding stuff. There is a team that does that. And uh, I'm one of the trustees. Uh, and in fact, the, the, there were four of us at the beginning and there's only two of us from that original four that are still here. That's myself and Stella. Is Stella in the room? No, okay, so Stella's not in the room, but Stella has been a trustee with Beacon from the very beginning, and I so have appreciated that. And if you ever see Stella, and you will, um, say thank you. Yeah, and so, so Stella and I were trustees. Uh, ben Arnold, 
um, obviously who died last year, he was our chair of trustees. And he really led that team from the very beginning, um, along with Stella and myself and other people have been uh, a part of it. And then in the last couple of years, I can't remember exactly when, uh, Lucy Williams joined uh, the trustees. Is Lucy here? No? Okay. Okay, so babies and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Lucy joined the trustees. And so at the moment, we have three trustees, myself, um, Lucy and Stella. And last year, which was a bit of a tough year for the church, and it was a very, it was a changing year, I think the trustees met once. Normally we meet three or four times a year. I think we met once last year, right at the end of the year. But we're, we're looking to change that. The other thing we're looking to do with our trustees is to add a couple of other people to it. Now, Phil Hopgood, who is um, the other elder at Beacon, he chairs the trustees and will do for the next year, but he is not a trustee. So he's, if you like, he's, a, he's, he's just chairing the meetings for us. And Jen, who works in the office, is like the clerk to the trustees or the secretary to the trustees, and she takes the minute, sets up the agenda. So just so you know, we have a trustee group as a church. Um, the other team that we have that helps to really lead the church and drive the church forward is what we call the staff team. It sounds grander than it is, um, but we, we do have a few people that work for the church. That includes myself. I work for the church. Uh, Jen, is Jen in the... So Jen's here. She waves at Jen. Uh, Jen um, uh, manages the office and manages, like, the, the, the programme and uh, just manages a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff. She also, um, uh, I suppose, looks after the pastoral list, um, sort of with my help. And so she does a whole load of stuff behind the scenes for the church. John Taylor is the other person that we employ. And in fact, he's employed two days a week for Food Bank. He's employed two days a week to run CAP, but we employ him to do that. And then he's employed one day a week uh, for just just for Beacon, and he does whatever is required. He looks after social media and other things like uh, that. Um, recently, I think I mentioned it last week, um, we've employed Cecilia a day a week. Cecilia, is she here? Yes. Okay, Cecilia's at the back there. And Cecilia will be um, looking after Kreish and ideally looking after... Um, the process that we need for getting all our DBS checks done and all that kind of stuff for people who serve in creche kids and youth. Yeah, so she's kind of replaced Sheree. If you remember, Sheree was here. She's not, and now Cecilia is. And then Phil, Phil Hopgood. We don't employ Phil, but um, he comes in every Friday, basically. So that team do lots of things through the week, but every Friday we all meet together in the office and we have office meetings and we talk about stuff and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So um, that doesn't sound good on tape, does it? Da-da-da-da-da. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of the Beacon um, office team. And that team has really been running like that for over three years and it was one of the best decisions that we ever made was really to bring Jen and John in like that. And, and they have been outstanding over these last three years. Can we just give them a round of applause? Yeah. Jen, a round of applause? John's not here, but he understands that we feel that. They have been absolutely outstanding in what they have done. The other team um, or group that helps to lead the church are the elders. And we had elders appointed in our church about six years ago. And there were three of us. There was myself, 
Phil and Ben. Obviously, Ben uh, died last year. And that team ran really for six years. Um, not because of them. It was me. We met every Tuesday morning at 6.30. Yeah? Now, Phil doesn't like getting up early. So it was a massive, I know it was a massive sacrifice for him. But every Tuesday at 6.30, we would meet, and, we, and we've done that. In fact, I've done that ever since I've... I can't even remember how long I've been doing that. So if you want to meet me, 6.30 in the morning works, yeah? I can do it. Um, and so that team uh, had been going on. We had, at different times, had others in that team for a while. We had another group of guys that was like an Elders Plus group that we were meeting with. Um, but last year, again, everything changed. Obviously, partly because of Ben... Um, and then after Ben died, we were like, OK, so what do we do? Um, and we, and I suppose in conversation with Phil, um, uh, we kind of agreed that right now was not the moment to try and find more elders or anything like that. But we did want to find a team that could help run the church with us and that it wasn't just Phil and I out there trying to run the church, but we, we could have a much broader team than that. So in the middle of, and so that was something that we, um, uh, particularly I would, I would, uh, just, I would just be prayerfully meditating on that for ages. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I would do. I would be thinking about it. We'd try different ways and I was just thinking and praying. And in the end, what we decided to do was we approached uh, a few people at that point to join with us. And so the first person that we, that we pulled in was Pauline, so my love. Um, and uh, because really, uh, as the leader of the church, there were probably, and I've, I found that I had this when I was at King's and I have it now, um, I will talk to lots of people, I like to get ideas and thoughts, but there are two people that sway me, yeah, that, uh, uh, God sways me, hopefully, uh, but there are two people that sway me on what I do, and I probably won't move if they wouldn't move with me, and one is Phil, my fellow elder, and the other is Pauline. So Pauline said to me, why are you doing that, Owen? Or if Phil said to me, hmm, yeah, he doesn't need to use many words, just hmm, yeah. If I get that, I go, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I need to think, I need to rethink, I need to look again. And, and those two have been like that for me for a number of years. But, but what we kind of agreed, really, was we needed to broaden the team, yeah, and we're not, we're not quite looking for elders, we're just looking for a team that can manage the church. And so um, the, the three of us, I, 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 so what I came to them with, initially we had two couples that we wanted to join us, and they were uh, Peter and Lucy. Are they here? I don't know who's here. Today. Okay, they're upstairs. Um, and Matt and Alicia, who I know are not here. Yeah. So Peter and Matt had been part of a number of other leadership groups we'd had over the years. So we invited those four people to, to join with us last term and we began to meet uh, with them. And that was, that was actually very good for us because um, now without Ben, it was just difficult. It was difficult. Ben had been a very key part of all that we had done. Little had happened uh, without Ben. So, so we began to meet with them and, uh, and, and I did see that, this, that, that although last year was difficult, it did allow for us to have greater opportunity to, to release new leaders. Um, and, and really, the purpose of it 
was, was to have a slightly bigger team, what we called the core team. And the aim of that was to keep the church on the mission that God had given it. And you remember last year we talked about the mission of the church and what we're here to do. And I'm going to go into that in a little bit this morning. But it was going to keep us focused on the mission of God, that we would recognise, we still recognise and believe in eldership, we do, um, but actually, as we move forward, we might have to redefine exactly what that looks like because of where we're going with this new team. So what we did was we had um, those seven guys meeting. I then met up with uh, Steve Oliver, uh, as I've done a number of times over the year, and he would just speak into the situation that we're in. I would outline, this is where we're going, this is what we're doing. I remember talking to him about the leadership team that we had, and his words to me were, Owen, you need to double the size of your team. I was like, oh. He said, said, build for where you're going, not for where you are. Uh, And he, along with other people, have made comments about Beacon and the people that come to it. So we have a bit of a laugh in our leadership team now because a number of people have said things, and this is true, they have said to me things like, your church is above average. I'm like, okay. And you've you've got like quality people right to the back. Yeah, so three leaders that have been with us, that have done weekends away or been with us, have said very similar things. And in fact, Steve... Uh, Oliver challenged me. He said, if I were where you are, I'd have more elders. And so I'm like, okay, um, I'm getting this, that the church is above average. Um, I'm not above average. I don't quite know how the church (laughs) becomes above average. What do we do about that? So his challenge to me was double the size of your team. And so once again, I, I suppose, I, this is how I would approach it. I'm, I'm prayerful, I'm meditative over a period of time. Yeah? I, don't, I don't rush that kind of thing. I'm praying all the time. Yeah? I don't mean I'm walking along going like this, but I do mean I'm living in that state of prayerfulness all the time. Yeah? And I remember during that time of prayerfully thinking, what should we do? I, um, part of my daily reading, I came, uh, I think it was in Luke where where it's, it describes Jesus choosing the 12. And it talks about he spent the night in prayer. And in one version it says, and then Jesus chose those he wanted. So there was something about the way Jesus appoints people. Um, and so, so I began to be prayerful about that. And who else could we add to the team? Because you need to know, you need to know this about the church. And the church may be different to other organisations. We do not appoint leaders based on some kind of democratic election. You'll see that when I talk about David. We don't appoint leaders based on uh, votes. Yeah? We don't simply appoint based on who wants to be a leader. Yeah? We don't appoint on those things. We don't appoint purely on popularity. We don't appoint purely on gift. The church doesn't do that. We don't even appoint on diversity. And I'm big into diversity. I've written on diversity But we don't appoint, can I get a person from every representative group in the church? I don't appoint leaders like that. We don't appoint leaders in that kind of way. It's prayerful. It's meditative. And it's led by the spirit, which is one of our big values that we are a spirit-led church. And that's how we do. Now, I came up with a group of people Um, And I realised, based on some of the things that others were telling me, there could have been others in the church that I could have 
uh, come up with. I think there was a little bit of that. Jesus chose those he wanted. And, uh, but that, I don't mean I chose all my best friends or anything like that. But we, we, I, I put some names to the group that I currently had. I realised as I looked back, but, but I think it must have been subconscious, that I was looking more at character, not gifting. I realised that. I didn't, I didn't think about that at the time. Uh, though they, it's a very gifted group that I'll come to in a moment. It's a much broader team. And I spoke to Phil, I spoke to Pauline and that initial team that I had. Now, I'm going to just run through who those people are. But before I do that, because I do want to acknowledge, I know what leadership and teams and stuff, I I know how this works, yeah? I know for some of you, and and I'm saying this is fine, this is okay, some of you you, you won't be able to help yourself think, why them? Why, why, why did he choose that person? Why did he not choose that person? And others of you, you won't be able to help it. You're going to think, why did he choose me? I thought, I, I, I. yeah, you're going to do it because that's human. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm just saying right up front, that is human. I'm not saying that's not wrong. It's human. Yeah. I've been there when when stuff was announced. I knew I could have been one of those announcements, and I wasn't. Yeah, I remember that situation. Anyway, um, I, I know that's the case. Now, um, I've asked Ruth, can I just have that mic come off? Ruth Dugdale, just to come and share a little bit, because she's made some interesting comments around uh, leadership to me in the past, and I want her to share them with you. Okay. Um, so, at a, just a bit of backstory. Um, when I came to Beacon, it was about six years ago, um, I'd been a Christian for about quite a long time, and I'd been one of those persons who, um, I guess, people saw potential in. Yeah. I also, I always got given uh, responsibility in churches. You know, I ended up leading the youth, or leading the student group, or leading worship, or talking. You know, preaching at seventeen, or stuff like that. A little bit like Renedy, if you know Renedy in this church. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit like that, but white and French. <laughs> and, and I came to Beacon, and, and really not many opportunities opened for me, I would say. And I still had all those things in my heart to serve God and uh, in particular ways. And I guess I'd probably expected that leadership would be leadership in church um, and through my work or mission or stuff like that would be um, something that is very prevalent in my daily life. And things didn't quite open. And to be honest, I, I got a bit shaken by it. I, I, I started to realize how, I guess, how my identity had been a little bit, um, been a bit shaped by that, that my position in church made me feel good about how I live my life for God. I was like, oh, if I'm leading the youth, or if I'm leading this, then I'm doing something good for God. Yeah. Or... It also it made me realize my character. It made me realize, oh my goodness, so much pride. That's what I realized. I, I look back at comments that I've made to Owen and Pauline, or mainly Owen. Um, <laughs> Pauline, we, I always had a soft spot, so it was easier. <laughs> but I remember, I look back at comments and I'm like, oh, Ruth, you were so proud. How could you like, challenge him like that? And, and God really took me on the journey. And I think probably about five years, you know, I just, I just served in the worship band, doing back vocals. Um, 
and, and that was fine. And I, I learned to bring that to God because there was a temptation to disconnect from the church. There was a temptation to um, grow bitter. And there was a temptation not to be teachable because my um, staff would get in the way of hearing, for instance, Owen preaching on Sunday or someone else that had been raised up who I thought, well, I am more gifted than him, or, or my character is better. I remember his comment during this, and that was not very godly, was it? <laughs> I would have never said that. And, you know, a lot of things get in the way. And I think what, what I, my response, I think God, actually, Josh really challenged me on that. He was like, Ruth, that's not good. Ruth, that's, that's not good attitude. Ruth, that's not, you know, you need to bring that to God. And I did. I, I, bring, I brought stuff to God. Um, and what I learned is humility is important. Humility is so important to, um, to be teachable. You're going to miss out so much on growing close to God if you're not teachable. And your attitude to, to leadership is important. Submission and growing in trust with your leadership, um, that's really important. Um, and I think for me, what I, what I realize is Owen and I probably have quite a few different opinions about church staff and views or, or international development or stuff like that. Um, but what I've seen in Owen over the last six years is an ability to bring staff to God and be open to God and to respond to God. And I remember a couple of points where I was like, oh, Owen has got such a different view. And I thought, I am not going to push that. I don't want to be rebellious. I know this is not something good for my character. And I just prayed. And for six months, I prayed for one particular aspect. And then Owen, the weekend away, was like, we're going to talk about that and we're going to release you on that. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but what I saw is that Owen brought stuff to God and was listening. And that gave me a lot of trust in Owen's leadership and in, in Pauline and in Phil. Um, but I think personally, my, my, my big thing was I prayed and I had to have discernment on what God was saying. Um, was it a time for me to have a really honest conversation about, with Owen and Pauline about, oh, you know, I feel cold with all those things and I don't feel like I'm developing in those stuff? Or is it a time to wait? Uh, what is it? And I, I really felt God saying to wait. And I remember one particular time where I'd, I'd felt, I felt quite frustrated about not speaking because I used to do lots of talks and there was lots of new people preaching and I was just like, oh, Oh, and, and I remember praying, and I felt God saying, no, Ruth, no. I don't want you to go and talk to Gordon, and I don't want you to challenge that, and I want you to wait. And I did. And, and, I, and what I saw is how much more free I was from laying down the stuff to God. Because I realized, oh, actually, I can serve God, and I can love people around me, and my non-Christian friends, and pray and prophesy for people with, without having to lead a ministry, without having to do that. There's a, lot of, there's a massive commission that God has given us that does not require to have a role specific in the church. And that really freed me from having to feel like my work with God was only valuable if I had that title or if I had a responsibility in the church. Uh, so that was, that was really good. Um, and I guess progressively, um, Owen ended up giving, asking me to lead more stuff and do more things. Um, and and my, my approach to it has been so different 
to before. It's given me, a, I guess, a, a view of what it's like to be the person who is not always pushed forward. Um, the importance of serving humbly when no one sees you and, and the, the refining process that that is and how important it is. And so now, like, he's going to tell you that I'm now in the leadership team that he's chosen. But, um, you know, like, we, we actually hesitated. Josh and I had a whole conversation about it. Um, for personal reasons, we were not sure. Um, and Josh was the one, actually, who said, no, I feel, you know, God is saying, yes, you need to go with. It had a word just before and actually talked to me. Um, but I realized, oh, actually, I don't, I don't have to. You know, I don't feel like, you know, this, I can hold it lightly and it's okay. And that was really freeing. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough journey when you're there and you have your, all these things in your heart and you're wondering how God is going to lead the way. Um, but there's something in, in remembering, you know, is that serving humbly is the main thing that God asks you. And that doesn't require to, to have a role. That doesn't require to be recognized because God sees. God sees. Okay, so um, having said all that, I'm just going to just tell you very quickly who those people are. Um, and in fact, if you're one of those people and you're in the room, why, why don't you stand? You know who you are. Okay, so, so I've got a team that don't even come to the church every week. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously you've got Paulie and Toby and Ruth and Steve and Ibby. And then in addition to this group, we have Val and we have Peter and Lucy and Phil. We have Matt and Alicia and we have Nick and Lally. Is that all everyone, I think? Um, I, think that's, I think that's everyone. So... So it's, so it's a big group. I think there's 14 of us, 13, 14 of us. And what we do is we are meeting every other Friday evening and uh, we're meeting and we're worshipping and praying together and then we're just talking about the church and what do we need to do to build the church and we'll set ourselves some goals and stuff. Um, it's worth mentioning within that team, um, we've asked or I've asked Peter and you need to kind of try and understand this, to in effect lead that team, Peter Williams. So yes, I'm in the team, um, but in terms of us coming together and what we do and what's on that agenda, how those meetings run, Peter's leading that. And so he's saying to me, actually, I mean, no, we haven't got time for that today. Can you do this? And so, so it just helps me, it helps, I think, Phil and I, who are now just part of that team, to be able to work the way that we do. So, so that, that's the team. Um, that's the, the change that we've made for 2018. We'll see where that goes um, and what God does. I mean, one of the things, partly based, you know, you, you heard Ruth's story, one, my, the, the, thing, the conclusion I came to in my leadership story would be hold it lightly. Hold it lightly. And so whenever I've led a team... And I said it to them, I said it to the elders, let's hold it lightly. There might come a point where Owen's not the person to lead and hopefully Owen holds it lightly enough that he's willing to give it up when that point comes. 
Or there may come a point where you step off. There may come a point where others step on. Let's just hold it lightly. And so that has always been probably one of my highest values around leadership is hold it lightly. Hold it lightly. Okay, so I'm, I'm really happy if at different times people want to, you know, you want to talk to me. Um, uh, the other thing probably I learned on my journey was trust when it comes to leadership is a choice. I chose to trust when uh, things happened that made me go, mm, really, not sure, don't like that. No, I will trust. Trust is a choice, yeah? And so that's, that's a choice that we all have and we can all make. Okay, so I'm going to move swiftly on because really this, this is also about, about leadership when we talk about um, David. I won't talk for long, but I'll see how far I get. But uh, you will know if you come to Beacon um, that we have, a, we, have a, we have a mission which is to build the church, to, um, uh, to glorify Jesus and to serve the community. And behind that we have a kind of a vision cycle with, which is a way of ensuring everything we do links to the vision that we have. Everything that we do. So the first term... Um, of a year, which our year begins in September. It's very much about foundations for us. It's about building the church. Um, and then this term, this is like, if you like, the second term, is very much about maturity, growing up, going deeper in God. And then next term is very much about looking out and, and how do we do that. So we kind of have that um, as a kind of a, a, a sort of a basic cycle that drives the way we do stuff. We're building the church. All the time we're building, all the time we're seeking to glorify Jesus. And the best way you glorify Jesus as a Christian is you grow in maturity. That's the best way you do it. Um, it's good that others come in, but you must mature. We must mature. We must go deeper in our faith. And then what we do when we're building strong foundations, we're growing, is we reach. We reach. And all the time we're trying to do that. So this term, um, we've decided to look a little bit at the life of David in relation to those things. And, and uh, the big thing for me is, is the story of David teaches us about how God looks at the heart. And the heart is more important to God than what you do. It's more important than what you say. It's more important than the gifts that you have and the position that you hold. Yeah, for God, the heart is key. Yeah, and so we're going to be looking at that. And we'll also, and over a number of weeks, we will do that. And we'll also look at the fact that how David was the person to whom God gave the promise that someone will sit on your throne and it will be forever. And it was pointing to Jesus. So when we speak of Jesus as the son of David, it's literally he is the son of King David because humanly speaking, uh, David's line uh, leads, to jo- leads us to Joseph who is part of the tribe of Judah and Joseph was Jesus' father and Jesus sits on the throne of David forever. So God fulfills the promise that he made to David in about 1000 BC. He fulfills it in Christ. Yeah? And, and it's, it's helpful for a number of reasons to realise that, if nothing else, God is committed to his own promises. He always fulfills. He always does what he says he would do. 
So the verse that probably sums this series up for me, um, uh, I say for me, uh, really Steve Gords is a guy that I've used over many, many years to help pull together series. He's fantastic at doing that. I give him an idea, he produces a series. It's great. You can find someone like that. It's this. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, it says this. The Lord has sought himself a man after his own heart. The Lord has sought himself a man after his own heart. So very briefly, um, Israel, you know about Israel, led by Moses, then by Joshua, then by Judges. And at the end of Judges, at the beginning of 1 Samuel, where Samuel the prophet is leading the people, the people decide, do you know what, we don't want to be led in this way anymore. We want a king like everybody else. Yeah? So they, they ask Samuel for a king, not realising when they ask Samuel for a king, they are rejecting not Samuel, they're rejecting God. Yeah? So sometimes God puts representatives there in front of us, and when we reject that representative in front of us, actually we're rejecting God. We think we're rejecting this individual. No, we're rejecting God. It's, it's important for us to recognise that. So Israel asks for a king. Samuel is distraught at the question. You can read all of this in 1 Samuel, kind of chapter 10 to chapter 14, 15. He's distraught at the idea of it, uh, but God says to him, Give the people what they want. So again, that's really interesting, isn't it? God answers their request, but he's not answering because he thinks he agrees with it. Yeah? He's not answering because he thinks this is the best thing, but he does say, give the people what they want. So in those days, it's worth noting this, um, uh, Saul is, is, is just a man uh, among Israel, but he's a man who is head and shoulders above. So physically, he is very impressive. Yeah? Now, we must understand from other things that we will read about this story in 1 Samuel, that physicality in those days meant something. The people were absolutely convinced Saul was the right man because he was head and shoulders above. He was a big guy. He was an impressive man. And, and even Samuel was caught up with thinking, this must be the man that God has anointed and appointed. Um, but we know, don't we, because I've just said, God is more interested in the heart. Samuel hadn't picked that up yet. God is more interested in the heart. So I'm just going to read... A little bit, and um, 1 Samuel 16, because I don't have much time. I'm just going to read a bit and then make a couple of points, really. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Oh, no. Here we go. My glasses broke yesterday, and so I have to read without them. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go, Saul? Uh, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. 
you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Clearly, Eliab was a tall man. The Lord does not look at the the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and and so it goes on. I'm going to skip down. And then it says in just in verse 10, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse says, they're still the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So they sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So if I can get my glasses back on. F.B. Mayer says about this, appointments are not solely due to human patronage, nor won by human industry. They are of God. God says to Samuel, choose the one I indicate. Yeah? And God still says to us, choose the one I indicate. Yeah? Our danger, which was their danger, is to find whatever the modern equivalent is of being head and shoulders above. Our danger is we will find leaders that way. We will find leaders the same way that Samuel found Saul. Oh, surely this must be the Lord's man. Look at him. He must represent the Lord. David so did not represent leadership in his day, he wasn't even asked to come to the meal. He wasn't even invited. And yet, David is tending sheep in a field. And do you know what he's doing? He's writing psalms. That's what he's doing. Some of the Psalms are written while David, as a young boy, is sitting with his harp and his sheep and he's singing. And what does the Lord do? There's another passage which I never understood until really I began to read into this. This passage in 2 Corinthians 16 it says this The eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Or in another version it says, looking for those whose hearts are for him. So God rejects Saul and he looks. And he's not looking for someone who's head and shoulders above. He's not looking for someone who's doing great acts. He's looking for someone whose heart is committed. Yeah? And we must still get it. God still does that. He still looks for people whose hearts are committed. He's still looking for people who are devoted. He's not looking for people who even necessarily are available. He's looking for people who love him, who are devoted to him. 
who are willing to follow him regardless. And really, it's interesting that, and I hadn't even put these two things together, that I was going to talk about the leadership and I was going to talk about David and the fact that right at the beginning, it, be, it comes down to the heart. So the question, a really simple question for us. How is your heart towards God? How is your heart towards God? How is the inner motivation, the inner thing towards God? Because you can present whatever you want to present. You know I mean, you can, you, can, you can present however you want to present. But God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And God chose David because of his heart. And actually God rejected Saul because of his heart. So how is your heart towards God? If you know anything about the story of Saul, you'll know this, that Saul actually led Israel as king for 42 years. So it was a long time. He didn't lead for a day or a week. He led for 42 years. Today, we can be taken in by the fact that he made it to the top And he lasted a long time. And we can think to ourselves, that must mean he was successful. Because he made it to the top and he lasted for years. But in God's eyes, Saul was a failure. Yeah? We don't like to think of it like that. God God never said that. In God's eyes, Saul was a failure. Saul was a failure. Saul did not make it because Saul did not accept how God does stuff. Yeah? And what God requires of you is obedience and faithfulness. Yeah? Samuel says to Saul, very well-known phrase that we know it, we may not know it comes from here. Samuel says to Saul, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. It's better to do what God asks than to fast for 40 days and think that you're doing the right thing. If God says don't go there, don't go there. If God says wait, wait. If God says watch and see what I do, watch. Better to obey than to sacrifice. Saul didn't get that. Saul thought sacrificing and trying to do the right thing and trying his best was enough. And it wasn't. The other thing it's worth just mentioning about Saul very quickly. Saul was rejected long before his kingship ended. He was king for years after God had left him. Yeah? After the promises had been taken from him, after the Holy Spirit was no longer with him, he was still king. Yeah? So it's possible. It's possible to still do the thing. It's possible to still be in the role and to think, oh yeah, look, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But actually God's left you. Now I don't say that, I don't say that as a scary thing because actually what God asks you to do often isn't scary, it's just humbling. Yeah? God doesn't always ask us to do massive, mighty things. He asks us often to do small things, but they're humbling things. That's how God does it. He, he asks you to do small things. He's always rejecting and choosing. We like to think of it that God's always choosing and loving. He does love and choose, but he does reject as well. We must understand that. That's how it works. 
And I'm going to finish with this. There are two things, two dangers that we face. Not just in our church, but I think in Christianity today, there are two dangers that we face. The first danger is we ignore how God has worked. How he's worked in the Old Testament. Presupposing that he works in a very different way in the New Testament. We forget that God doesn't actually change. That though some things change, God himself doesn't change. The fact that God chooses, the fact that God has a particular way, God still has his way. That does not change. And if it's true, then here in the life of David, there is real wisdom for us to carefully consider. God's ways require obedience over and above everything else. And he's looking for people whose hearts are for him. That's what he's looking for. Do you want to find God? Have your heart towards him. Look towards him. Give him. Give him everything. The second danger that we have, which is linked but it is different, is we begin to look at God through modern eyes and values. And in the modern world, effort counts. Oh, but I was just trying to do the right thing. Yeah? Sincerity matters. Yeah? All those things matter. But in God's eyes, what matters is submission to him. If, I, if you read the story of Saul, you will find that Saul was very, very sincere in some of the things that he did, but he was completely wrong. And Samuel has to say to him, you acted foolishly. And you think, but, but he tried his best, Samuel. He was trying to do the right thing. You acted foolishly and today the kingdom has been taken from your hands. Why? Because God has a way of doing stuff that requires the people who he uses to be devoted and committed to him. God chooses leaders differently to how we might choose them. And we kind of have to get used to that. He doesn't choose leaders according to the culture of the day. So if we think leaders look like A, and our leader looks like B, we don't go, oh, do you know what, we just need God, why don't you just send someone like that? I can follow that. I can't follow this. He chooses leaders differently. He's not looking for perfect people. He's not simply trying to plug every gap. Yeah, God doesn't do that. In our modern world of diversity, it would be like I'd have to have a representative of every kind of grouping within the church in order to have the truth. No, God doesn't look for that. But he does look for our hearts. He looks at it. He, he's warmed to it. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm really going to finish there. I know we've got time's gone and I apologise for that. And I didn't know I was going to do all that leadership thing before. I didn't know how that was going to work. But it has worked how it has worked and David is a good way of bringing some theological understanding to leadership. God does it differently. God looks at the heart. The question for us today is how is your heart towards him? How is your heart towards him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are with us. I thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty in all things that you've 
Uh, you're building your church. You're gathering people. You're doing your work. And that this is all for uh, the extension of your kingdom and the mission that you've given us. And so, Father, I, I pray, I pray for every person here that we might take from this uh, good and stuff that helps us. Um, but Lord, if it's challenging that we would face that, if it's comforting, we would be glad of that. I pray, Father, that you will go with every person and bless them this week in Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.